speaking of our practice, um, that's something that I, I wanted to start talking about this evening. Actually, I'll probably take the next two weeks uh, to talk about an important aspect of our practice in the Dragonfly Sangha. Um, and, and essentially investigating afflictive thoughts. You know, thoughts that are giving us a hard time. And the practice of asking the four questions. And using those four questions to uh, deconstruct challenging thoughts. Uh, to investigate them and, and potentially free ourselves from their influence. And explore what we may do differently in the future. If we're not being led by those difficult thought patterns. And I love this part of the practice uh, because it's a, it's a unique application of Buddhist principles, at least from, from my experience. Uh, and, and I began studying Buddhism about 20 years ago, uh, so about half my life at this point. Um, and the, the teachings originally appealed to me uh, because they were different. You know, they, they were unlike anything I'd encountered before. And they encouraged me to look inward for answers, uh, as opposed to out there, you know, in, in the form of, of some distant deity or a revelatory text. <coughs> and Buddhist teachings laid out things that I'd never really considered before, you know, that, hey, we all suffer, and there's a cure for suffering. We don't have to suffer. Nothing is permanent or exists independently from everything else. Uh, you know, the, the notion of the five skandhas or heaps uh, sort of laying out what we're made of. And I never encountered a spiritual practice that touched on these things. But in terms of practice, in terms of what we do when we're not studying and, you know, reading and learning things what do we do and I honestly had a harder time you know finding that anchor uh, in, in Buddhism you know uh, most Buddhist resources that I, I looked at you know they would they would discuss uh, meditation or koan study uh, or going on retreats and certainly there's a, a, an ethical component in Buddhism too that is very practical and is able to be practiced in the form of the precepts and, and aspects of the Eightfold Path. Uh, and those things are, are wonderful. Um, you know, and, and certainly useful, powerful, deeply meaningful to us. Um, but there were times where I was looking for something to take with me into the real world that had less to do with moral implications and more to do with just, boy, it's a difficult thought pattern that I'm dealing with. You know, why do I get upset in certain situations? Or why do other situations hit me harder than other ones? What was the practice there? And it's for that very reason, that very practical aspect, that I love the focus of our order, the Order of the Dragonfly. Um, because we recognize that thoughts can trip us up and can make things difficult for us. And we have a system of mindfulness in the four directions. 
and an approach within that system for uh, you know working with difficult thoughts namely the four questions and the four questions like I said they give a structure for investigating some of those thoughts uh, the four questions being what is it about the strongest thought that is not completely true or not completely clear what belief or basic programming created this thought has anyone else ever had this experience what's universal about this thought and lastly what would it mean if this thought were actually true what creative action could we take and and like i said we'll we'll do i i i wanted to break this into two parts because i recognized i was writing this that it would be kind of a long uh, uh subject for one liturgy uh so I wanted to talk about something that actually precedes answering the four questions. And that's really digging in and identifying thoughts that the thought that is tripping us up. You know, we may recognize that we're struggling and we want to find out why. You know, maybe we've been feeling sad lately. Or we find ourselves getting angry easily in situations where normally we're not maybe we snap at someone who we love uh, or someone who knows us really well asks us like are, are you okay because you you've been acting kind of differently right we notice that something feels off and we want to know what's causing the sensation of suffering of unease of unsatisfactoriness and to do this we want to get clear on what that thought is and that can actually be pretty tough um, sometimes we have to do a little bit of, of digging and and the thought that's really tripping us up has been covered over by years and layers of rationalization you know it's okay to feel this way or act this way because of A, B, and C right or suppression layers of suppression nothing's wrong it's fine just pound it down it could be covered over by guilt you know, I don't deserve to be happy because of something I did or something that happened to me or just years and years of repetition our mental patterns oftentimes will take root when we're young and we just carry them with us um, sometimes those thought patterns were really useful at one moment in our life and now we find that they're no longer applicable And an exercise that I would recommend for helping to dig through some of these layers um, is to write down a paragraph about a situation that keeps coming into your thoughts. Write down how you're feeling. You know, this could take the form of journaling. Um, I've always been a fan of journaling. Uh, I've, I've actually been audio journaling for probably close to two decades. Uh, it started with an old, you know, mini cassette recorder. Uh, those little tiny tapes that I would record on that and have packs of those tapes uh, and then I used a, a digital recorder for a time and now I, I just use a, a smartphone because they all have audio recording voice recording um, 
usually just turn that on during, during my morning commute and just kind of journal, right? And it's a great way journaling, whether it's, it's an audio journal or you're writing something down to kind of unravel your thinking a bit, to give yourself mental space. And sometimes we don't afford ourselves that luxury of mental space. We're just like, got to focus, got to jump from this to that and the other thing, right? But this is sort of a chance for us to unpack the mental luggage, so to speak, right? Because normally we just throw a bunch of thoughts in a bag and we walk around with all that weight, right? And, and our thoughts happen all at once, swirling around in our brain, talking over each other. Uh, like kids in a in a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Like in Goonies, blah, blah, blah. Everyone talking at once. Who's saying what? What? Journaling is great because, you know, whether we're, we're writing things down or, or talking, journaling can be so useful because it forces us to express one string of thoughts at a time. To reach into that bucket of, of, of wiggly fish and pull one out, right? And that's a much more useful way of investigating thoughts that we're thinking and feeling. Thoughts can be cloudy. Once we write them down, now there they are. We can look at them, we can distance ourselves, react to them, and, and look more closely at them. And so for this exercise, and this is, this is me giving you a bit of homework, and I'll sign the homework at the end of the talk, but for this exercise, I would recommend using a, a, a notebook or a piece of paper and write down what you're experiencing. Today I felt X. Lately I've been feeling Y. Right? I noticed when I talked to my co-worker that this happened. Right? This is not you trying to solve the equation just yet. This is you describing what you're feeling. Describe that unsatisfactoriness a little bit. And then we recommend, uh, as you're, you're writing down your thoughts, note at least one physical sensation that arises with your emotions. And this is important because we want to notice that tie between our thoughts and our bodies. Right. We oftentimes will think of the mind and the body as two separate things. It's all one being, right? all one organism. And paying attention to how we're feeling, paying attention to the physical sensations that arise can help alert us to how close we're getting to the, to the real uh, root thought. Increased tension, you know, physical discomfort, maybe a knot in your stomach can kind of tell us that we're honing on to something problematic and a lessening of tension can signal maybe that we're unspooling something that's been tangled up in us for a while I remember uh, I used to listen to a, a Buddhist teacher Ken McLeod um, and people would ask him questions and he would kind of help them talk through what they were thinking and he would always ask them, you know, when they he would kind of dig into some of their thoughts and, and when they would express the thing that they thought maybe was kind of at the root of it, he would say, what did you feel as you said that? Because right? he recognized that connection between body and mind. And so we want to notice that. We, we want to recognize that 
our thoughts aren't just mental things. Uh, Sensei Tony always says the body is an emotion. And I love that. I love that saying because it's so true. The body feels emotions. And a lot of times things that we think are just physical actually wind up being mental. They're tied up together. So we want to recognize that connection. So as you write, be on the lookout for emotions in what you're writing. You know, and, and you want to look for, you know, four, three to five, three, four, five emotions that you're feeling. Look for emotional words. Um, I worry that. I'm afraid that. I love it when. Right? Because those are the, the veins of ore that we want to mine. Those emotions. Right? Because they often lead us to the thoughts that precede them. So once you identify some of these emotions, next we want to rate their intensity between 1 and 10. 1, very low. Not very powerful. Not too problematic. 10, very high. Overwhelming. And then we want to focus on the strongest emotion. Right? Because it's possible to feel... You know, in, in one situation, feel several things simultaneously. You know, I might be angry that I'm in a certain situation. You know, there's a certain level of indignity, right? Or sad that something's changed or is changing. Or scared. What if everything's not going to be okay? You know, or overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to proceed. Right, but focus on the strongest one, and that's why it's useful to use that scale of 1 to 10 to really parse out. I feel all of these. This is the one that's the strongest. And once we, we, we kind of hone in on that strongest emotion, we can start to list the thoughts that might have created that emotion. Right, sometimes we need to scrape away some layers, like I said. You know, to get at the source by asking ourselves for each thought, right? Describe what this is like, or what what do I mean when I say X? And I'll give you I'll give you an example of, of what this might look like. So let's say you have been feeling some wobbliness around uh, around a new opportunity that you have at work. And, you know, the, the, the boss was looking for someone to work on a project. You said, I think that could be me. Or maybe they came to you and said, I think this is you. Right? And you think to yourself, well, I should be happy about this opportunity. You know, maybe there's a pay raise or, you know, a new title or something like that. But something isn't sitting well with you. And you journal. You write about it. And you rate your emotions. And you find the strongest one is fear. It's an 8 out of 10. It's really afflicting you. So you might ask yourself, well, what am I afraid of? You might say, well, if I think about it, I'm worried I might fail. Right? What does it mean to fail? You might say that 
I, I won't do a good job, I guess. What does it mean to not do a good job? Well, you know, that'll let people down. People are depending on me. I do a, if I do a bad job, I'll let them down. Describe letting people down. My boss might realize they made a mistake choosing me. You know, why would this be seen as a mistake? Right? So you continue to ask yourself questions and, and see, can you go deeper? And you peel away those layers of rationalization or, or traditional habitual responses to certain kinds of questions that maybe we use to protect ourselves. So we're not vulnerable until we find the root or what could be a root for the feeling of unease about this new opportunity. In this example, the root might be the realization that we took this opportunity to make everyone else happy, right? Because we felt we should, you know, well, goodness, my, my wife will be upset if I don't jump at a pay raise, right? Or, you know, my, my boss says they have such uh, uh, high hopes for me. I, I have to take this, right? Or, you know, maybe we feel we have to be perfect. You know, and, and this, like, well, I I need the perfect career, or I need to do everything perfectly, so I can't say no. Because you know, no's not perfect. It's going to vary. Right? Your line of inquiry into your thoughts will, will be different. Right? You might arrive at a different uh, thing altogether, even if the situation up to this point sounds very familiar for you. You might find it a different, you know, quote-unquote, root thought. Uh, personally, for me, you know, one of the things that helps to indicate that I'm close to that root emotion is, you know, I'll start laughing. Or I'll just start to cry. <laughs> you know, or both at the same time. Because as you dig in, you know, you give some answers to some of these questions that, again, you're just used to giving. You know, the old uh, exchange between people like, hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? You know, you're just used to saying, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Day's going great. You dig into that. You keep asking those questions and then suddenly now you find, ooh, okay, that one, I felt that one a bit more. Ooh, that one. Okay. I start to feel myself getting a little, you know. And oftentimes when I, like I said, we mine those emotions, we start to realize this is the thought. This is the one that's really causing me some trouble. This is what I want to investigate. And I illustrate this process uh, to, to show that it can take some digging to get to the thought that we need to transform. And and I often find in these kinds of inquiries there's normally a pivot point where we take a right turn from what we thought was bugging us to what's really bugging us. Um, in, in my work I'll sometimes lead design thinking uh, projects. And one of the things that we do with our, our design thinking, we kick off by gathering data. 
and information. And one of the ways that we gather data is, you know, walking up to random people in our in our uh, uh, designated group, and we do what are called empathy interviews. And empathy, of course, the root of that word being around <coughs> pathos, emotion, feeling, right? So we ask questions about the issue that we're uh, investigating. You know, we could be looking to design a solution for uh, how people use software or, you know, how they use our parking spaces or our, you know, uh, a local gym or something like that. You know, some, some very innocuous things. And we ask them some questions. And as interviewers, we're looking for those emotional words because the minute someone says like, oh, I love to do this, right? Excellent. Seize on that. Let's look at that. Or I hate it when. Or, you know, I, I would do this, but I'm afraid of. So when we hear those emotions, we kind of latch on to that. We say, tell me a bit more about that. You know, what do you mean by this statement? And then oftentimes that's really where what they truly feel about a thing is, is concealed. Right. And oftentimes, you know, especially in a work situation, you're asking people questions about things they're they're going to give you answers maybe that they think that you uh, want to hear. Um, I work in HR, and so when people say, like, hi, I'm, or you say, like, hi, I'm, I'm Brad from HR, they, they get really nervous, and they start to tell you maybe what they think you want to hear, but eventually when they realize, like, oh, you're actually truly interested in what it is they have to say, and you're paying attention to their emotions, uh, maybe they didn't even try to, uh, to tr try to share some of those emotions. But you dig into those, oftentimes, like I said, there's that pivot point where they, they shift from saying what they think they should say to what they actually feel. And that's what this inquiry can do for us, is it allows us to work past maybe some of the, the thoughts that, or some of the things we think we should say in response to a feeling of unsatisfactoriness or a feeling of vulnerability. Oh, well, it's fine. This is a great opportunity, you know, or, or like everything's good. Everything's fine. And then we start to dig into it and say, well, what does that really mean? Which emotions are really the ones that are most powerful? We find that point like, oh, this is what it is. And that can be very enlightening to us. So I wanted to break this talk into two parts. Um, because like I said, that first part is very important. And I'll, I'll talk about the four questions in our next uh, Dharma talk. Um, because I wanted to talk through this and, and give you an opportunity to, to, like I said, almost like homework, think about this. Do some of this investigation for yourself. Do your own empathy interview, so to speak, with yourself. Um, and I encourage you to investigate your thoughts. You know, if you feel something is troubling you, don't brush it aside or assume that it's not important. But sit with it or journal. Because our mind and our thoughts, this is our practice. I say that a lot, but <laughs> this is our practice. And so it's worth it to investigate. The same way that if you were driving your car, you'd pull it over if your engine started making a funny noise or there's smoke coming out from underneath the hood or you you know you hear the wub 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 from your tire that might be flat right you're not just going to drive you're going to 
take time. I need to pull over. This is dangerous. I need to fix this. And if we'd fix those things on our car, then how much more important is it, is it for us to tend to our minds, to perform that mental maintenance? So, your, your homework, so to speak, is to take some time to journal. 15, 30 minutes. Doesn't have to be a long time. Even shorter than that. Um, but again, you know, I, I do feel it's important to externalize your thoughts. You know, grab one string and pull it out. Don't try to do this all mentally. Um, you know, maybe set aside some time in the morning or in the evening, after dinner, before bed, and identify some of those powerful thoughts and emotions. Um, rate those emotions. Choose the one that's strongest and start to dig into it. What do I really mean when I say I feel this? Describe what that means. And then next week, uh, I'll give an example of the four questions around those thoughts. So even though I, I, I didn't get through the, the whole cycle, I, I hope that this has been helpful for you. And has given you um, something compelling to add to your practice as we walk this path together. So I hope that this has been helpful.